Good morning, ying, 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 ying. Wow, it's a little sparse in here this morning. It's amazing what cold weather will do for us, but we're glad to have you all here. Actually, my Sunday school class was good and packed, and Pastor Brett's Sunday school class was good and packed. So it must just be the old people. I don't know. <laughs> oh, it's good to have everybody here this morning. It's, uh, I think it's negative two, wind chills of minus 18. So tomorrow, when it's negative four, this will feel warm, all right? I'm just letting you know, so it is, it is what it is. All right, let's see what we got. Welcome, guests. If you're visiting for the first time, please uh, let us know that uh, you're there by stopping by the, uh, the Welcome Center, letting us give you a gift. If you're visiting online for the first time, uh, scan that QR code, tell us you're out there listening. That's always an encouragement to our hearts to know that you're there. Missions Conference is coming up starting this Friday, 7 o'clock. Saturday, 8 o'clock for the men's prayer breakfast, 8, 10 o'clock for the ladies' brunch, 11 o'clock, or I'm sorry, 4.30 for the international dinner, and then Sunday all day on, during the Sunday school hour, we will have our missions panel uh, where we can ask questions of the missionaries, not necessarily, although you can do this, specifically about their field, but about missions in general so that we as a church can just learn how to better serve mission, all of our missionaries, and so it's a great uh, question and answer time as we put that together on in the morning service there. And then uh, dealing with disappointment is the ladies' Bible study, which starts up a week from this Tuesday, right? Is that correct? Nope, begins February 1st, two weeks. All right, anyway, uh, there it is. So it's going to be on, um, I think I'm right, January 30th, Tuesday, Thursday, whatever that is. Yeah, you guys can figure it out, ladies. Tuesday evenings, Thursday mornings, you can sign up outside there in the hallway and uh, get signed up for that, get your book. That's just a reminder that Taylor and Maddie Woods, they are now officially married. Uh, we'll be uh, dealing with uh, voting on them. They'll be coming in to candidate for us. Uh, the February the 11th, there it is, Sunday, February the 11th, and uh, as a youth pastor, and so we're looking forward to that. They uh, got married, so ran into two of their pastoral affiliates yesterday at the men's conference. Uh, they were both actually Maddie's pastor and Maddie's boss, who is a uh, pastor of a Baptist church and runs a daycare, and she's been working there. Maddie's been working with the teenagers up until December when they got married, working with the teenagers at uh, Crossroad, Cross Point Baptist Church uh, in, on the west side of Indianapolis, and so both of them had nothing but glowing things to say about uh, Maddie. Neither of them know Taylor well enough, but they're like, they, they're excited for us to think about that, so you can begin to think, pray, whatever. All right, let's see what else we have. Awana needs help. Uh, we are in need of one or two more helpers for cubbies for Awana. Cubbies are the three- and four-year-olds. They meet back here in this room behind us uh, on Wednesday nights. So see Matt Huggins or Pastor Brett if you are interested in helping out with Awana cubbies. Uh, I'll sing you the song some other time. I won't sing it right now. And Awana Grand Prix is coming up. Matt's going to come up and fill us in on what's happening there. All right, so this is going to be uh, a different type of event. We've done the Grand Prix in prior years and things like that, but it was usually just on a Wednesday night as part of our Awana program. This year, we want it to become more of a church event. So it's going to be, as you can see, it's going to be Saturday, May 18th, um, and it's going to be in the Fellowship Hall. Lunch will be provided and things like that. But here's where I could use your help. We actually are going to need quite a bit of volunteer help to put this event on. And so just to kind of keep with the race theme, um, I'll kind of explain what those three different things are, and then um, many of you probably already saw the table out there. I'll be out there uh, after the service. You can come by, ask any questions, and sign up. 
uh, if you're interested. So crew chiefs, um, you will be kind of the sponsor if you want to think about that, think about it that way. The cars are just $10, and so you'll be the sponsor of that particular um, uh, child, and so you'll pay, be able to pay for the car. The $10 covers the car, the food, everything. We have just the blank blocks if you want to be really creative and, and things like that, but they also do come kind of pre-formed if you want to think about it that way where this just needs, you know, sanded down and decorated and it's good to go. So um, that's what the crew chief is. Uh, the crew chief is also a part of the pit crew, but the pit crew is just the, a team of people that kind of decorates and puts it together. So um, if you, uh, as a team with the child's family, obviously, too, um, want to get together just at somebody's house and do that one day, you're free to do that. We'll have probably a couple days here at the church, uh, a couple Saturdays or Sunday afternoons, where we'll have uh, things available to do that here, too, though. So, you know, if you're like, well, I don't have a workshop at home or things like that, that's totally fine. You don't need that. Um, we'll be able to provide that here at the church. And then race day ops. So things like handling the lunch preparation and things like that, um, but also checking in the cars and making sure, you know, while one race is happening, we're getting the next set of kids ready to go and things like that. So, like I said, it's, it's a lot, it's, we're going to need a lot of help. And so um, if maybe you like helping with the kids, this isn't a full Awana commitment. It's just for this one event. Um, if you have any questions, like I said, you can see me out at the table after the service. Thank you. Miss Matt, I'm excited about the Awana Grand Prix. That's always been a fun time. So, And then our missionaries of the week are the washers. They're be, uh, inside the lines. They, have, they uh, minister to prisons and prisoners. Uh, they've recently been in uh, Pennsylvania. It says there were over 100 guys listening during the uh, gospel presentation. They've been praying uh, for stillness in the crowd. And thankfully, the Lord uh, stilled most of the men, it says, and they listened well. None of the inmates uh, made a profession of faith during that time, but the gospel went forth. Uh, they were glad to be able to give away 30 Bibles. And after uh, being in three prisons in Pennsylvania, I can say they are by far the darkest prisons we have been in in, in the United States, and we have been to prisons in 10 different states. So uh, they would ask you to continue to pray for the ministry in that aspect. Praise God. For a few minutes, the light of the glorious gospel of Christ shined into that prison, and so that was exciting for them. They're asking uh, for help, praying, and praying that uh, the Lord would supply uh, this small book called Much More uh, that Jonathan wrote, this Jonathan Washer wrote it. Uh, they would like to get it out into the hands of inmates in the gospel uh, after the gospel message. So uh, looking forward to getting that done. And then they have a much more podcast if you're interested in finding that. Uh, it's called Much More. Uh, look it up through your podcast fine, and you can uh, time, and you can uh, see Jonathan there. Their schedule coming up in January. Uh, they do a basketball tournament at the McCormick uh, Correction, Correctional Center in South Carolina. Uh, then another basketball tournament in Turb. Bill, South Carolina, I guess I'll say that right, and then back to Allendale, South Carolina for another one in February, so uh, just keep praying for Jonathan and his family as they minister to prisoners there. Let's have the men come. We'll take up uh, the morning offering. So pray for safety. I think, did anybody have any trouble on the, on the uh, parking lot? Parking lot okay? It's going to melt, you know, while the sun is shining, and when you go out, that doesn't mean that it's melted and it stayed melted. I'm just telling you honestly, so if it melts and then finds some shade, you know, so just be careful on your way out that you uh, don't uh, find any of those ice patches, right? But Chuck, would you ask God's blessing on the offering and uh, on the washers as well and on the service? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we are thankful to be together this morning. Thank you for the safety coming in. Pray for those who are home watching that you'll bless them as well. 
Thank you for the opportunity we have to give to the work here and even abroad. We thank you for all of our missionaries and pray specifically for the washers. We thank you for them, for their sacrifice to their family and, and to you as they reach out into prisons. And pray that you'll give protection as they travel and in protection as they minister. And Lord, may your word go out and reach many who need you. Lord, I thank you again for the opportunity we have to be a part of that ministry. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
made us redeemed. And so this morning, we're going to sing about that God who redeemed us. We're just going to lift him up this morning. We're going to start by saying, Behold our God. Go ahead and stand with me as we sing three verses of Behold Our God. Epistle of Paul the Apostle to the Romans, chapter 10, beginning in verse 14. How then shall I call on him in whom they have not believed? And how should they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how should they hear without a preacher? And how should they preach except they be sent, as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Esaias saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, verily, their sound went into all the earth, and their words unto the ends of the world. But I say, did not Israel know? First Moses saith, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people, and by a foolish nation I will anger you. But Esaias is very bold, and saith, I was found of them that sought me not. I was made manifest unto them that asked not after me. But to Israel he saith, All day long I have stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. May the Lord prosper his word whereto he sent it. You may be seated. 
We're going to continue singing this morning about exalting Christ by saying, Be Thou Exalted. Last week, so we're going to sing the first and the second verse in the chorus with both. God's Son is not perceived as God stay with me as we end our song service by seeing all four verses of you are the Christ.
on that last. And when one day redemption is complete, I gaze at last upon your face on there. My voice shall echo through eternity. In spite of me, your saving grace remains. You are the Christ, Son of the living God. My rebel heart in mercy pursues. No other name deserves my praise. You are my life, my all, and I belong to you. Great seeing you. May be seated. trust your grace, it is enough, enough for me. In every trial I shall trace its all-sufficiency. And Lord, I trust your strength in you alone. I shall be strong, my failing flesh will learn at length a daily triumph song. Oh, trust in God, my soul, and look into his face, oh, trust in trust your word, it gives me hope and light to see. The path ahead, though now obscured, will open wide for me, will open wide for me. Oh, Lord, I trust your Trust in God, my soul, and look into his face. Oh, trust in God, my soul, his 
shall stand complete and whole, a trophy of His grace, as I trust God, as I trust God, as I trust God. Thank you guys. I like that song. I shall stand complete and hold a trophy of his grace. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. Uh, a couple things. First of all, we went to a men's conference yesterday, and I haven't had a chance to talk to the men. We usually would do this on a Sunday night, but tonight our college students are taking over the service. They'll be preaching, singing. They uh, uh, will also be doing the song leading, whatever else there is. Do it, taking up the offering. One of the uh, One of the things is going to be done. One of our college students wrote or arranged for it, and so looking forward to just hearing about all these things that are happening tonight. But uh, we went to a men's conference yesterday in Muncie. Uh, about 15 of us had a great time. So guys, if you're willing and you want to give a testimony about that, if you just step right on up here. I haven't talked to any of you, but just come on up, except for Pastor Brother Wayne. I talked to him. So come on up. If that's you, if you don't want to, I'm not putting pressure on you other than Wayne. You already said yes, so come on up here, sir. <laughs> He's coming. Anybody else coming? Come on, Roger. Anybody else? You can stand, do whatever. Just don't be hesitant because we don't have a lot of time to, for hesitancy. There you go. Come right on up. Tell us about what the Lord did. Well, this is the second year that I went, and uh, this guy standing behind me, and I, this was not something that we planned on. Uh, he fairly sternly exhorted me to go last year. And I cannot say sufficiently how thankful I am that I did go, uh, and that message on, from James was just absolutely amazing. But this year, um, we had Mark Herbster, and Mark began by and continually reminded us men that we're all in this together. Uh, none of us are exempt, whether we're your teenagers, young men, or old men, and, and, and they basically broad brush the ages, and it was really pretty exciting the way um, he did this. And so, first of all, I would say for any of you who haven't been, it's always the same Saturday in January. Um, I would say put this on your calendar for next year now to make sure that it happens. We, it would be great for, for more of us to go. So that having been said, um, what Mark did was he began in 1 Peter chapter 1, and he, he essentially asked the question, how to handle life as a man? And he began with holiness, and he defined holiness as a narrow path with deep ditches on both sides. Ditch 1, it was all about how I believe and how I live. It was the things, the surface things, and on the other side, was the, the option of no standards. It was all about the, the whims of the heart, if you will. And then he, he talked about four points of balance. He said you need to have a ready mind where you're willing to gird up the mind of holiness, that restrained mind, a resolved mind, and then a mind lived in, in, in manifestation of, of all of that, the holiness. And he, he, he quoted Deuteronomy chapter 5 and verse 29. He says, oh, that there were such 
and heart in them that they would fear me and keep all my commandments always, that, in, that, that it might be well with them and with their children forever. So one of the, one of the focuses was the cross-generational responsibilities. Uh, and, and, you know, I look at this as a father and grandfather and with, with grandkids and grandsons that are, Lord willing, going to be starting to go, and they're, they're eager to go already. So it's, it's, it was right in my face, if you will, and I really appreciated that. And the conclusion was, uh, to this particular um, session, to be holy means to live actively in the fight of life. Then he talked about the model of holiness in 1 Peter as well. The standard is the Father who called us. The standard applied is it's in all matter of life. 24-7, 365, and then the Son's precious blood and what that really means when we appreciate what his blood accomplished. And he said to pursue um, holiness means that it's balanced and you avoid the extremes of the ditches. It's so easy to be in a ditch on either side. In session two, we went to Genesis 39 where Joseph was tempted by Potiphar's wife and he said, mature men know the word and the promises broadly and thus have a strategy for victory over all temptations. All of us face temptations as men and he listed several of them. But he, he said there's some, some keys to this. There's the time of temptation, understanding when is that likely to occur? The truth of temptation, it is persistent and it requires, at times, radical amputation of things out of our lives. And the triumph over temptation, always a plan to, for an escape route. I mean, we will be tempted, and the question is, is how, do we, how do we prepare to be able to escape, just as Joseph escaped from Potiphar's wife, rather. And he said you had to resolve in advance, refuse aggressively, recognize the effects and, or the consequences of temptation if we, are, if we succumb. Uh, remember who's our authority. And then there's the, probably the most important one is learn to run when there's an attack happening. Session three was Proverbs chapter 20 and verse six. And some of these verses that he, he quoted, cited, were, were like knives in the chest. He said, most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness but a faithful man, who can find? And he focused on this issue of faithfulness as a way of wrapping things up. It's not the fruit or the works or the sense of fulfillment or the feelings which are the gauge of, 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 of faithfulness. He said faithfulness is, and, and, he, and he used words which um, really were penetrating. He said consistently competent in and to God's promises, obeying and working God's word, consistently compassionate to people, being a covenant keeper who's quick to forgive and to give up for the benefit of others, consistently completing God's plan, steadily working the works and the will of God. And he wrapped this up with a, one of my favorite passages from, from the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 10 and verse 12, and it was the father speaking. It says, Then he the father spoke unto me, Daniel, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst, and he, listen to this, this next set of phrases, set Daniel set his heart to understand and to chasten himself before God. Thy words were heard. Holiness begins with our, our, a living commitment to self-correction and holiness. 
No one, nobody can and will do this for us. We have to do it ourselves. And he left us with a, a very penetrating reality that nobody's going to do it for me. I have to do it for myself. I have to set the example. We all have to set the example. And as men, that's exactly what, what Mark left us with. We are the example setters, one way or another. And we, we need to realize the fact that if we aren't doing it, nobody's going to do it for us. And people will say, what kind of an example are you? Okay, well, I'm not going to uh, take up a lot of the pastor's time. Um, I'm up here. I'm just stopping by to tell you that, guys, uh, this is an event that you just have to put on your calendar for next year. Please, I'm pleading with you. You've got to be there. Um, last two years that I've gone, I've been blessed and I've been encouraged and I've been challenged as a man to be a guy that, that the Lord wants me to be. I mean, these sessions are in your face, okay? And that's the way guys talk to each other. We're in each other's face and that's the way it goes, buddies. So, as Wayne said, we talked about holiness. Yeah, the Lord's holy. We're supposed to be holy like the Lord. And that's a challenge. But we can do it, and we can do it together. We can encourage each other and come alongside each other. Are we going to be tempted? Oh, you betcha. I remember a, a story that we were told last year in our missions conference about how easy it is for Satan to grab hold of us. And when we think we've solved how he might capture me or lure me, he comes up with another way to tempt you and to get you. You've got to be prepared to be tempted, and you've got to have a plan to get out of it. And you've got to be consistent. This is, a, this is a lifelong journey as a Christian. And we were really challenged yesterday. So again, I just stopped by up here to please come. Don't miss this event. Guys, put it on your calendar. And thank you for some time up here. All right, take your Bibles if you would. I'm aware of the time, so don't panic, all right? Uh, I'm, I'm one of those preachers. Believe it or not, I can actually do this. Uh, you give me five minutes, I can take it. Give me 25 minutes, I can take it. The only thing I can't do is if you give me an hour, I can't take it. You know, it's, uh, I don't preach long, typically, but uh, I can preach shorter if we need to. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 7, where we're going to be. Just so you know, Miss Carol is home after her surgery on her shoulder. Uh, Brian Gruley is home after his open-heart surgery. He's doing well. Uh, Miss Andrea is home after her hysterectomy on Friday. She's doing well. So everybody's doing well. It's been one of those weeks, so just keep praying for one another, uh, but a lot of things happening, so just uh, keep in your prayers. Matthew chapter 7 is where we are, Matthew chapter 7. It, here's, the, here's the way Matthew 7 starts. It says, judge not that you be not judged, right? starts out that way, and sometimes people use that, and they use it wrongly. You're not supposed to judge, and you're right. I mean, no one's supposed to be standing in judgment of us. Uh, that's going to be the Lord, but... God goes on to explain this, if you get past that judge not, that you be not judged, 
it does not mean that we're not allowed to look at someone's actions and say, you shouldn't be doing that. That's wrong. That's sinful. So the Bible literally says, as you read on into this chapter, which is what we're going to be looking at, by their fruits ye shall know them. Right? So we're allowed, in fact, we're called upon by God to look at the fruit and decide whether or not it's something we should follow after. To decide whether or not it's something that you know, means that someone is actually doing right. But what we're not allowed to do, that judge not, is to judge someone's heart. I may not know, I can tell what you're doing and whether it's right or wrong. I may not know why you're doing it. I may not know if you said something that I didn't like, that you were trying to aim that at me and make me feel bad. I can't tell you that, right? That's judging the, the motive. I also, by the way, can't tell if you're doing something right, if you're doing it so that other people say, oh, you're such a good person, or if you're doing it because you love Jesus. I can't judge the motive. I can only judge what I see. So in this passage, if we're not careful, we get caught up on that judging concept. We miss this point, that what we're supposed to do is look at our own fruit. That's what we're supposed to do. It's the idea is since the only way someone knows if I love Jesus, the only way someone knows if I love my wife, the only way someone knows if I want to do what is right is what I'm doing, then you know, I need to be looking at my fruit because I can say to myself, I can say to myself all day long, I love Jesus, but then I'm always out there saying things you know, in the, with the wrong attitude or doing things that I shouldn't do. And the reality is, while my heart may say, I love Jesus, my fruit is saying, no, you don't. And it's my job, not yours. It's my job to go, according to James chapter 1, look in the mirror of God's word, see what I am, see how I'm matching up, and then do something about it. That's what Matthew chapter 7 is all about. So we're in Matthew chapter 7. Let's jump down, if you would, please, to verse 17. It says, even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit. And, every corrupt, and a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt, corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Father, help us as we look at this passage to be able to take a strong look at our own lives and to see where we are and to see what we need to be doing to correct the things in our lives that shouldn't be there, to put in the things in our lives that should. And Father, we'll thank and praise you in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know this, you could preach this sermon for me. I mean, you know all these points, right? The heart is deceitful above, and what's the last phrase? Who can know it? The heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked, who can know Whose heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked? Mine. Your pastor's. It is easy for us to convince ourselves of our motive. But here's what the Bible also says about us, right? If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. It's time that we take a hard look at our own lives because everybody else already is. You understand? Everybody else already sees the fruit. They're just waiting for us to catch up. It's like, hello, I wish he would see what he's doing and recognize how that looks or recognize how that, what that's doing. Everybody else sees the fruit. That's obvious. What we got to do is get past our own pride long enough to look at, the, at our own fruit. And that's what this challenge is all about. So uh, here in Matthew chapter 7, I want us to, to challenge ourselves. Let's look at the fruit and let's see where we're heading with it and what we can do to maybe make some corrections about it. Here's the, here's the reality. 
Look at verse 17 again, and, uh, and tell me these words. Even so, what are the next two words? Every good tree bringeth forth. For every, guess what? There's not a tree on the planet. You know, what, you know what a corrupt tree does? It brings forth fruit. You know what a good tree does? It brings forth fruit. Good tree, good fruit. Corrupt tree, corrupt fruit. Every tree brings forth fruit. There's not a single one of us that isn't living out our lives in such a way that people can see something about what's going on on the inside of us. The Bible tells us that this heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it, but God tells us some ways that we can start figuring out what's going on in our heart. For instance, the Bible says something like this, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So guess what's in your heart? Well, what is in your heart is whatever's coming out of your mouth. So when, you know, when you get stopped at the roundabout because the person in front of you doesn't know how to do a roundabout and that starts coming out of your mouth, you know what it's showing you? It's hard to know the heart. It's deceitful. But God says, I'm going to show you some ways you can know the heart. Here's what the Bible says. As a man thinketh in his heart, so doeth he is what it says. This is what he does. The heart determines what I say. The heart determines what I do. That's the fruit. My job is to look at the fruit and do something with it. Not to wait on you to look at the fruit and, and challenge me, although Matthew chapter 7 is going to tell us that. You're going to see the fruit clearly, and you should, you, know, you should help us out here. But what I want to do is, how is it then that we go about becoming a good tree? Now, I know if, we, if we're not careful here, I know that we can say this is salvation, and uh, that's a problem somewhat. It's really talking about living out our salvation. Uh, Romans tells us that we should work out our own salvation. God's done something on the inside. Now let's let it work itself to the outside. And, and the concept of this fruit, uh, and I'm going to prove it to you, that it's not about salvation per se because the idea is if you're not careful, you're going to say that you can lose your salvation or that you have to work yourself to get there. For instance, the Bible says, get on the straight path and walk the straight path and that leads to eternal life. And so, wait a minute, is it about my, the way I'm walking? Is that what gets me to heaven? Or is it about the way Jesus walked? It's about Jesus, not about me. You understand? It's about what he did, because I can't accomplish it. It's about what he did. But my fruit and the way I'm living my life, you know, if I, if I don't uh, walk the straight and narrow path as a Christian, it still leads to the same thing that sin does in every case. It destroys. That's what sin does. We're challenged by God to become a good tree. And I want to challenge you to look at what it means to become a good tree. Look back at verse 13 now. Go back up, if you would, to verse 13. It says, Enter ye into the straight gate, for white is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many to be that go thereat. But straight is the gate, and narrow the way that leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. So God wants us to walk this straight and narrow. So last, yesterday, by the way, that's what uh, Brother Wayne was talking about, talking about just a minute ago when we fall in the ditch. He was saying, uh, if we walk the straight and narrow, on either side is a ditch. It's going to get us into trouble. As Christians, we walk the straight and narrow. What happens if I fall in the ditch? Do I lose my salvation? No. Is it still the way of destruction? Yes. The broad path is the way of destruction. It's going to destroy my testimony. It's going to destroy my family. It's going to destroy perhaps the church. Uh, whatever, keep filling in the blanks. Sin always leads to destruction. But my job is to walk the straight and narrow. The Apostle Paul put it this way. We're to walk 
circumspectly. Remember that phrase, circumspectly. And the, the idea of circumspect is that the, the, the illustration I like the most is that um, think of it as a, a tightrope. Where you place the next step really matters. Do you understand? It's not broad, it's straight and narrow. Where I place the next step matters. It's got to come down in the right place for my life to stay circumspect. Same way with the next step. It's circumspect, it's straight and narrow. Uh, and, and varying off of that is going to get me in trouble every time. We're to walk circumspectly. We're to walk this straight and narrow. So uh, as we're walking through this concept, uh, let's figure out what it is. And I've got, I'm running out of time. So let's speed it up. Here, you know what it says in John chapter 12 and verse 24? It says, in order for me to bear fruit, it says, it bringeth forth much fruit at the end of this, of this verse. But in order for me to bear fruit, it says, except a kernel of wheat, go into the ground and do what? Die. That used to really bug me, by the way. I thought, how does, how does it die and then bring forth fruit, right? And that's a challenge for us. So, Because uh, I always think of it as this way. I put, it, I put the seed in the ground. Are you a gardener? You probably think the exact same way. You put the seed in the ground, and it springs into life. That's what I think of, right? But here's what I also know. That once that seed has sprouted and begun to grow, it is no longer a seed, it is no longer an edible piece of fruit, it's gone. It's now turned into something else. For you and I to bear fruit in Christ, we must be willing to die to self. We must give up ourselves so that he can live out through us. And so if I want to become this good tree, if I want to bear the right kind of fruit in this passage... I need to start by putting my life on the line, literally letting God have his way in my life. Uh, and here's, here's the idea. So if I'm a good tree, I'm bearing forth good fruit. Tell me something that the Bible tells me is good fruit. I'll let you preach this for me since I'm out of time. Love, where does that come from? Peace, joy, long-suffering. What do we call that? Fruits of the Spirit. Right? So that's, what we're, that's one of the things we're looking for, right? The Bible refers to this fruits of righteousness. The Bible refers to the fruits of our labor, the fruits of good works. So these are the three major fruits that we're looking for. So take a look, guys and ladies, everybody. Let's take a look in the mirror of God's Word today and see the fruit. Everybody else is already seeing it. If you don't believe me, ask your wife on the way home. She'll be glad to tell you what your fruit looks like. Do you understand? Everybody else is seeing it. They already know what your fruit looks like. We're the ones that are deceptive. We, we have that, this deceitful heart that convinces us that our fruit looks differently than it does. I mean, literally, sometimes it's like this. You know, it's, we're seeing the one side of the apple that looks really good, and what we didn't realize is on the other side, some bird's taking a big chunk out of it, and now it's full of worms. Have you ever picked one of those apples before? You look up, oh, man, that looks like the perfect apple. And you pull it down. This is us in our fruit, guys. This is us. We're like, this, look, that's me. Look at the fruit in my life. It's so great. And your wife's like, hello. Look at the, look at the other side, right? That, that's, this is the idea. So here it is. We're supposed to have the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering. We're supposed to have the fruits of righteousness, holiness, godliness. We're supposed to have the fruits of good labor so that, you know, our, our labor is not in vain and Lord, but beyond that it says... Uh, James chapter 1, it says, uh, pure religion undefiled is this, 
feeding the poor and taking care of the widows. And, right, you get the idea? It's our labor. That's what it looks like when, when good fruit is being produced. How do I, do I get to the place of being a good tree? Well, first I need to recognize where I want to go. What fruit is it that I'm looking for? What fruit do I want to, do I want to produce? You say, Pastor John, I, I can't change what fruit I'm producing. Yes, you can. The Bible says so. You know, so here, and we are in 1 John chapter 1 again, where we say, if we deceive, we deceive ourselves, if we say that we have no sin, right? How can I change that? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And to cleanse us from all our... My responsibility, right? My responsibility to recognize where I'm at in this equation, 1 John chapter 1, and my responsibility to confess my sins to the Lord that cleans my heart, and all of a sudden, a different fruit is being produced. It's my responsibility to look at the fruit of my life and determine, am I the good tree in this equation, or am I the, am I the corrupt tree? Am I bringing forth good things, godly things, righteous things, or am I bringing forth wicked things, evil things? So one of the things I can do is, you know, I can deal with my heart by confession. That's what the Bible teaches me very clearly. Um, I can deal with my heart, by the way, uh, in, in this passage it talks about, uh, and I'm trying to find the passage, but you can just read on the rest of it. It talks about pruning it, right? Let, let's, let's clean it up by, oh look, that's a bad piece of fruit. It doesn't belong in my life, and I can get rid of the fruit. That helps the tree to produce other fruit. It doesn't fix the, the total problem, right? Remember the illustration that we give when, when we're dealing with counseling? You've dealt with this before. So we see this tree, and uh, we have all of this fruit hanging on our tree. This is, by the way, the danger of, of trusting a Christian school or a youth group to raise your kids. This is the danger. Because what happens is, mom and dad, we say, oh, look, I don't like that fruit. I don't like that fruit on my kid's life. And we pick the fruit off. We put them in a Christian school, and they can't wear those clothes. And they can't say those things about getting into demerit. And we pick the fruit, but amazingly enough, it just keeps growing back, and we can't figure out why it's, where it's coming from. It's because there's a root problem. Well, it's the same way with us. This is our same issue, guys. We see the fruit that's in our lives, and our job is to get past the fruit picking and let God do a work in our hearts so that we get to the place where it's okay, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he, or... As a man speaks, that's, his, that's the condition of his heart. I see the condition of my heart. Now my confession is not just, God, forgive me for the fruit. It's, God, I'm confessing my root problem to you. Cleanse me. Make this root holy so that the fruit that comes from it becomes holy and righteous. I've got to keep moving or I'm going to get myself out of here. Too. Go back to verse 19. And let me show you... Um, some reasons why we need to become a good tree. Verse 19, Every tree that bringeth forth not, bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Every tree that bringeth forth fruit, by the way, what do we do with that fruit? What do we do with fruit that's good? We use it. We eat it. We, you know, from, from a physical perspective, we eat the fruit, we make stuff with it, we share it with others. Uh, good fruit... Is, is able to be passed on that way, but bad fruit is good for nothing but to be cast into the fire. So becoming a good tree adds purpose to our life. Dad, 
since we were talking about dads yesterday. Dad, who sees our fruit the most? Our wife. Who's next? Our kids. Think about this. The people we love the most and the people who are most likely to be eternally impacted by my fruit are my wife and kids. They're watching. There's not a dad sitting in this room who says, I don't want my kids to go to hell for all eternity. Not a dad sitting in this room that would want that on their kids. But too often we'll leave the fruit, the stinking rotten fruit, for them to see. And it's not accomplishing. So our, it gives us purpose. I need to be a good tree because my family needs that. My church needs that. My job needs that. My society needs that. We need to be good trees bringing forth good fruit. In verse 20 it says, Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. We need to be a good tree because our testimony is at stake. Our testimony is at stake. You know, you've heard this said a thousand times, but it's true. If we have a weak testimony, then unsaved people look at us and say, I don't need Jesus to live that way. Do you understand? I mean, if my testimony is that, you know, uh, you know I, I'm an alcoholic and I use drugs and I cuss all the time and I lose my temper and, I, and nobody likes me, this is my testimony. It doesn't take Jesus to be that way. Anybody can do that. The world's looking at us to see something different and our fruit is the way of that because you know what they're seeing? By their fruits they know us. That's what they're looking at. It says, Not everyone that saith unto me, verse 21, Lord, Lord, shall enter in the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many will say unto me that day, Lord, Lord, we have not prophesied, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? Let me ask you a question here. Listen up. Are these people going to go to heaven because of their works? Are these people not going to go to heaven because of their works? It's our faith, right? It's about where our faith lies. Do we trust Jesus? That's where Jesus is the reason any of us are going to go to heaven. It's Jesus. It's not about us. So what does this do for us? Well, 1 John tells us again and again. You know, if you read 1 John, sometimes you come to the conclusion that, wow, I must not be saved because if I hate my brother, I'm not a Christian. Uh, and I don't always love my brother, and it's not just talking about my brother, but if you knew my brother. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding, Albert Steve. I'm just kidding. Uh, you know, but you, you get the idea is that you know, we, we can read First John. We sometimes think, oh, man, it's about our works. No, it's not. The, the, the idea is about assurance. Do you know where assurance comes from, guys? Being a good tree, bearing good fruit. When that's happening, you're not sitting there saying, oh, no, Matthew chapter 7, somebody's going to say, I wonder if it's going to be me. I have no question whether or not I'm going to go to heaven. I'm not worried that God's going to look at me one day and say, John, I never knew you. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I, I, I have no concern about that whatsoever. Not because I'm such a good person, not even quite honestly, because I see good fruit in my life, but because I'm putting my faith in Jesus Christ, and that is the production of the fruit that comes out of my life. And so as we become that good tree bearing good fruit, we have assurance of this. There's benefits from being a good fruit bearer. In John chapter 15, it says, Here is the Father glorified that we bear much fruit. In uh, John chapter 15, again, uh, it's because it fulfills the will of God. 
Jesus said, I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bear forth and go and bring forth fruit. He goes on in that same verse, by the way, to say this. And that your fruit should remain. And then he says this. And that whatsoever ye ask of the Father in my name, he may give it. So being a good fruit bearer enables the Father to keep his promise. I don't know about you, but there's a lot of things I'm asking for that I hope he answers. God save my grandkids. Right? God protect my kids from the ravages of sin. God strengthen our church. I want them to hear and I want them to to answer. And you know what enables God to, to answer this promise, to keep this promise? Jesus said, I have chosen you that you go forth and bring fruit, bring forth fruit, that fruit remains, and then whatsoever you ask of the Father, he'll give it. And lastly, and I'm done, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10 says this. Now he that ministered seed to the sower, both minister bread to you to your uh, for your food, I'm sorry, and multiply your seed sown and increase, increase the fruits of your righteousness. Now, here's what I'm trying to say. Here's what Paul's trying to say. Because I'm just coming in the middle of this thought. We bear fruit. Our fruit impacts others to bear fruit who impact others to bear fruit. You know the benefits of bearing fruit? Is that it goes beyond us. It goes beyond us. You know the reason? Think about this. We're likely eating corn that Adam and Eve cultivated. You know why? That's what fruit, that's what fruit does. It bears fruit, that bears fruit, that bears fruit, that bears fruit, that bears fruit. It's passed down. Just like we're all related to Adam and Eve, everything else out there that God has planted is the same way. And it's just passed on. Because fruit bears fruit. Dad, when we become a good tree, our kids have an opportunity to benefit from the fruit of our lives. That's the joy of it. There's a lot of reasons to bear fruit. Heads by eyes closed, please. Well, let me ask you. Are we willing to take a good hard look at ourselves today? What kind of fruit are we bearing? Again, if you aren't sure, just go home and on your way home have a conversation with your family. Let them tell you. Everybody else sees our fruit. They do. Everybody's waiting for us to catch up to it. But they're seeing it. God's desire is that we would see the fruit and then impact the kind of fruit that is being produced. A good tree brings good fruit. Becoming that good tree is our challenge. Confession, correction, instruction in righteousness. This becomes our path toward good fruit. So what about us? Let's make it personal. Pastor John, I'm looking at my life, reflecting back on the things that I've been showing people this last week. The times I lost my temper. The times I became irritable. The times I set my Bible aside so I could watch a game instead of reading my Bible. I'm not suggesting you can't watch a game. I'm suggesting that we should not do one over the other. What's the fruit of your life this last week? Say, Pastor, as I'm looking at it, I have to be honest, 
my fruit's coming up short. I have to be honest, Pastor, if I'm going to be just looking in the mirror of God's Word here today, I need, I need to deal with some things. Pastor, God spoke in my heart this morning. Would you pray for me? Would you slip your hand up and let me see that so I can pray for your hands? are just shooting up all over the place. Thank you. Let me put them down. Maybe you're here and you say, Pastor, I'm really not sure that I'm a Christian. And that's the first step of bearing good fruit. It's all about Jesus and our relationship to him. Without Jesus, we are nothing but corrupt trees bringing forth corrupt fruit. You say, Pastor, I'm just not certain that I'm a Christian. And I'm concerned about my soul, about where I would spend eternity. No one else is looking around, just you, me and the Lord. You say, Pastor, would you pray for me? That's where I'm at. Would you just pray for me? Would you slip your hand up and let me see that so I can pray for you? Anyone at all? Father, I thank you for the many tender hearts that are here today. God, I pray that you would help us to be honest with ourselves as we look at the fruit of our lives, that we would be willing to see what needs to be corrected and confess and forsake, allow you to cleanse our heart and to cause good fruit to come from a good root that you've placed into our lives. Forgive me, God, when I get so caught up in myself that I neglect to see the fruit. Send people into our lives that will help us to see the fruit that is obvious. May we bring glory to you through our lives and blessings upon generations from our fruit. And we'll thank and praise you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand. We're going to sing together. Nearer, still nearer. Nearer, still nearer. The altar is open to you, Christian. You've raised your hand. The Lord's spoken to your heart. Do business with the Lord. Would you let him have his way? As we sing together, nearer, still nearer. You step out. Let the Lord have his way. Nearer, still nearer. Close to thy heart. look this way. By uh, my count, we have at least five family units represented here today visiting. And uh, they come together to be, I don't know, 12, 15 people. So uh, you got your jobs cut out for you, Southeast, to get around and introduce yourselves to some people. Here's what we need from our visitors. Slow down, would you please? Give us a chance. We really want to meet you. We, we want to say hello, glad to have you, all those kinds of things. But, wow, it is amazing how quickly you guys can move sometimes. Like, where'd they go? Uh, so it just walks. You know, you know what's right outside that door? Negative two degrees. That's what's right outside that door. You have no reason to rush outside that door. So uh, if you'll slow down, we'll have a chance to meet you and just let you know how glad we are to have you. Uh, a lot of people missing today, some because of sickness and some just because of the weather. But uh, if you notice somebody gone, you know, it's always good to just...
shoot them a text, do whatever, let them know that uh, they're missed. Am I supposed to be announcing anything? Takeover service tonight. Takeover service tonight with our uh, college group. So uh, looking forward to hearing from them tonight. I think we have how many preachers? Two? Three? Two preachers? Two preachers tonight. Looking forward to that. So always an exciting time. Lord bless you, keep you, make his face shine upon you, give you peace. God bless you all. Love you. You are dismissed.